Raising the speed limit on the information superhighway. TalkZone.com This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Want your kids to grow up smarter and more successful? The answer is simple. Get them to read. We'll talk to an expert for tips you can use to make your kids bookworms. The key is what turns your kid on to reading. Whatever reinforces that subliminal connection between reading and pleasure only can be good for reading. Then, conventional wisdom is you should know as much as you can about personal finance. But one authority says financial education simply doesn't work. Giving people these classes, doing seminars for people who are planning their retirement, the studies have not shown that that has led people to make good financial decisions. All that and more is ahead on this week's InfoTrack. We'll be back with our first segment right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Reading is essential for success in school and in life. But how can you encourage your kids to turn off the TV or video game and pick up a book? InfoTrack's Roy Mackey talks to an expert for the facts you need. Roy? Thanks, Chris. Our guest is Emma Walton Hamilton, who is a best-selling author of children's books, a professional editor, and an arts educator. She's written a book called Raising Bookworms, Getting Kids Reading for Pleasure and Empowerment. Well, let's get the bad news out of the way first. How much is reading on the decline these days? Well, reading is pretty dramatically on the decline these days, and it's commensurate with the advancing electronic age, I'm sorry to say. I mean, really, ever since the advent of the television and all the more since the Internet and computers and electronic games entered the stratosphere, we've seen a real dramatic drop-off in reading, and the statistics are pretty scary. I think a lot of kids think, well, my time online counts as reading. Do you think it does? Well, it depends on what they're doing online. Certainly, there is an argument to be made that we are reading online, and, of course, the question becomes, what are we reading and to what end? There's a tremendous amount of value that can be gained from the synergy between the digital world and reading, and I'm certainly not one to say we should ban electronics or even necessarily restrict them heavily for kids because I think that creates a kind of forbidden fruit effect. I think the goal really is to incentivize kids to read because they find tremendous joy and pleasure in it and to look for ways to use electronics to support reading. There are some reading, I guess I would call them purists, who think that even reading a newspaper isn't necessarily reading yeah, in the I'm purest Yeah, I'm afraid sense. I'm not one of those. You know, people ask me often, well, you know, what about comic books? I mean, surely <laughs> you don't condone that. And my answer is always, the key is what turns your kid on to reading. Some kids are very visually oriented, and for them... There's great joy in reading comic books or in graphic novels, for instance. Some kids, my son is a case in point. My son is very much an oral learner, and what he's responding to is audiobooks. Now, who's to say that's not reading? My feeling is that whatever reinforces that subliminal connection between reading and pleasure only can be good for reading. 
I would think there's a pretty demonstrable link between reading and school performance, and I suppose success later in their career in most cases. Well, absolutely. I mean, studies really do consistently show that kids who read well do better in school and in all aspects of life, even beyond school. I mean, they're better able to communicate, they have better concentration skills, they have more confidence, they're better problem solvers, and all of those things ultimately translate into better grades and also later into probably higher salaries and getting further ahead in their chosen careers. There are also actually studies show that readers are twice as likely to participate in cultural events, to attend performing arts events or go to museums and even to volunteer and vote than their non-reading counterparts. So it's pretty important to our future that we continue to raise readers. You mentioned it a moment ago, and I know you write about it quite a bit, and that is the importance of restoring that critical connection between reading and pleasure. Talk about that for a moment. Sure. When we're babies and toddlers, ideally our parents read to us and our loved ones, our grandparents and our siblings, and we have early associations between reading and love and joy and pleasure and all things warm and fuzzy, and it's a very pleasurable experience. And then we get a little bit older and we go to school and we begin to learn to read independently, and many times our loved ones stop reading to us quite so much, or perhaps even altogether, thinking that they would be better served to cultivate and to promote our independent reading skills. For some of us, learning to read might be a struggle, and little by little, those early associations between reading and pleasure begin to be replaced by associations between reading and, at best, responsibility or chore, and at worst, struggle and frustration. And my view is that we learn to read at school, but we learn to love to read at home. And our job as parents and as caregivers is to continue to support that fundamental link between reading and pleasure while our kids are learning to read and to apply that learning in a school setting. I can relate to this because I have a young daughter who is a beginning reader now, and we have reduced the amount that we're reading aloud to her because we're encouraging her to read to us. But right. what do you do? You believe that you should continue reading aloud to your child even as they get older, right? I do. There's nothing wrong with encouraging her to read to you, especially if she enjoys it. I think that's the key. It's all about knowing your individual child and knowing what they're finding enjoyable and empowering. I mean, if your daughter loves to read to you, I would say, you know, follow that lead. But there are many kids for whom reading aloud is a struggle or for whom learning to read is a struggle. And I really do believe that reading aloud to and with our kids as a family is a critical part of keeping the joy of reading alive. First of all, because we actually can absorb and retain much more of what we read through our ears than through our eyes. It's not until eighth grade that our ability to absorb what we're reading and to retain what we're reading converges with the age level that we're at. So kids who are, you know, middle schoolers and elementary schoolers are going to get much more value from being read to than from reading independently. That's one critical reason. The other reason is that it continues to promote that connection between reading and love and reading and nurturing and pleasure. I encourage even high schoolers and middle schoolers to be read to and family reading at all ages. I must say I love to be read to myself. (laughs) I think it should go on well into adulthood. (laughs) And if a child says, I can't find anything I want to read or anything I'm interested in reading, these days there are more tools than ever to help with that, aren't there? There really are more tools than ever to help, although I think it's a mistake to leave kids to their own devices 
to seek out those tools. Scholastic, who is a very fine and wonderful publisher and literacy company, who of course brought us Harry Potter, among other things, they do an annual survey of the state of reading. One of their discoveries was that the vast majority of kids who don't read often say it is because they have trouble finding books they like. And that's where I think, you know, it's really our responsibility as adults to help point them in the right direction, to help them identify what really excites them, interests them, turns them on, and how to find more of that. And, you know, there are tremendous resources. The obvious one is your local librarian. I mean, your library is your best place to begin. And knowing that your child responded to a particular book, let's say, you can go to your librarian and say, see, my kid really loved Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. What else can you recommend? And that's the librarian's job is to really feed those particular individual interests. But, of course, online there are tremendous resources now as well. There are reading groups and organizations, there are book lists, there are kid-written websites where kids endorse certain books and post their own reviews of them. I mean, the list is endless, and I include a lot of those resources in my book to help point parents in the right direction. Do you have any final tips? Well, one thing that might come as a surprise is that part of really maintaining and creating that connection between reading and pleasure includes being aware of when we might be tempted to make reading a negative association unwittingly. For example, a lot of times we might use reading as a weapon by withholding it if where the kids are doing something that we don't agree with. You know, we might say, if you don't stop doing that, no reading tonight or mm-hmm. no bedtime story tonight. And that is counterintuitive because it sends the wrong message to kids. It sends the message that books are weapons and that reading can be associated with punishment. And what we want to do always is ask ourselves, will this activity support my kids' association, subliminal association between reading and joy, or will it detract from it? And then, you know, it's all about figuring out what those stealth mode activities are that will support and strengthen that association between joy and just employing them at every possible opportunity. I also want to mention that if your listeners want to head to my website, which is raisingbookworms.com, they can download a free report on the five most critical keys to raising a reader. Good information. Emma Walton Hamilton, the author of a book called Raising Bookworms, Getting Kids Reading for Pleasure and Empowerment. Emma, thanks for joining us on InfoTrack today. Yeah, I appreciate it. For InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. Next, what you know about personal finance could actually cost you money. The surprising story is ahead. Stay tuned. Don't go away. InfoTrack will be back right after this.